Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, this morning, I was talking to you about how most people, including most Christians, look for direction in life in all the wrong places. And uh, let's go back and read our primary text that we used to start this series. Go to Acts chapter 22, and we'll just use this to, to again sort of set the tone. <clears throat> Acts twenty two fourteen. Then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. Now, of course, this was the Lord speaking through Ananias to to Saul of Tarsus, who later became the Apostle Paul. And we know that he had a very unique and a very special calling on his life. But this also applies to all of us in, in, in general terms. We've all been chosen of God to know his will. We've shown from the scriptures that God expects us to know his will. Do not be unwise, Ephesians chapter 5, I think verse 17, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, if God tells us to, to, to not be unwise and to understand the will of the Lord, then obvious, that's a, it's available. And he's chosen us to know his will. Not only that, to hear the voice of God. Now, we're going to get into what it means to hear the voice of God. Amen. But um, we're not quite to that point yet. We pointed out that uh, this morning that most people are looking in all the wrong places for direction in life. And we were talking about some of the, the common ways. I had four. I've added one to it tonight. This afternoon, that happens. Uh, we talked about you know, uh, different ways that people use to try to discern the will of God, and they're all natural. They all, they're all in the natural realm, and God doesn't operate in us and on our behalf in the natural realm. He operates in the spiritual realm. God is a spirit. You and I are spirits, recreated with the life of God on the inside of us and joined to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we talked about the fact that many people look to circumstances to try to determine God's will in their lives and basically however circumstances change or whatever the flow is or the direction of circumstances, they feel, well, that must be the will of God because I'm, things in life are moving me in a certain direction and I might not like it, but that's the way things are happening. So God knows everything and he knows what's going on and he has a plan and I just have to be willing to submit to that plan and, uh, and go with the flow, so to speak. And so people say, I just believe everything that happens happens for a reason. Well, everything that happens does happen for a reason, but it doesn't mean it's a divine reason. It doesn't mean it's a satanic reason doesn't mean that it's any kind of an unusual meaning, uh, a reason. Amen? A lot of things happen in life just because we're living in a physical world and 
and there were physical laws put into to motion that caused those things to happen. So we shouldn't be looking for, for God to, uh, to use those things, and we'll show why when we get into this. Uh, we talked about Romans 8.28. We're not going to turn over there again tonight, but this morning we looked at that. People say, well, you know, it says, Romans 8.28, that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Well, I, I brought out this illustration. Well, what about somebody who, who loves God and is following God's plan for their life and devoted and, and uh, uh, they're called according to God's purpose. God has a purpose on their life and they're endeavoring to follow it. And, uh, and, and they begin to drift away from the Lord. Well, then that must be one thing that works together for the good of those. And let's say that person drifts away from the Lord, backslides, and, uh, and never serves God another day in his life. Well, I guess that was just the work of the Lord. Well, that's crazy. Now, I know somebody would say, yeah, but that scripture says all things work together for the good of those who, who, who love God. And that person stopped loving God. And so then that, person, that, that scripture doesn't apply to them. Yeah, but back when he did love God. Whatever event happened when he was in full fellowship, full zeal, loved God with all of his heart, he was totally in the things of God. Whatever thing happened that led him in a different direction, that would be one of those all things if it's everything that that could exist. So no, that's not what it's talking about. If you go back and look at that verse and set it in its context, it's talking about how the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to pray about things we don't know about. And uh, uh, when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit helps us, makes intercession for us, helps us in our prayer. And in that context, then, as we are obedient to pray, then we put in motion all of the things that are necessary to work together for the good of whatever situation we're praying about. So you have to keep Scripture in its context. I said this, you know, in Galatians 6, verses 7 uh, through 9, you know, uh, uh, the Bible says, uh, God is not mocked. Whatever a man uh, sows, that shall he also reap. He who sows to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption. He, he whoever sows to his spirit will of his spirit reap life after, uh, everlasting. I pointed out that one of my favorite translations is from the Phillips version. And it says, you cannot make a fool of God. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Let me go back and look at the the, uh, the actual wording of that. And uh, it says, do, do not be under, under any illusion. You cannot make a fool of God. A, man, a man's harvest in life will depend entirely upon what he sows. So people who say, well, you know, everything that in life that happens to me happens according to the will of God. I was talking to Jackie Benefield after church this morning when she was over in one of those uh, stands uh, where she was at. She said, you know, nearly everybody there, everybody there believed that everything that happened, it was the will of God. And the Lord said this to me one time. He said, the only way for everything that happens in life to be the will of God, you would have to have done the will of God in everything in life. In other words, everything you've ever done would have to have been the will of God for everything that then to result to be the will of God because of sowing and reaping. When we don't do what we're supposed to do, we will not get good results. 
Amen. And the devil is always there. And it's not that God necessarily causes bad things to happen because he doesn't. But he has put a spiritual law into motion and you can't, you can't violate that law. It's true all the time. Amen. So we talked about circumstances. We talked about feelings being led by, the, by our feelings. I talked about, gave my, an example of my mom. She just felt like, you know, this was the right thing. And if she just felt like it was going to work out, and she had a, a, a lawsuit that she just felt like she was going to win. And so she, she bought, contracted with a, with a builder to finish out a house that he had started. And I think the tile she selected for the kitchen was pink. Yeah, now, I wish my wife was here this morning. She'd have all the, uh, the details. She was here today. She'd remember all the details. But my, wife, my mom had picked out some stuff that I just remember was really, it was my mom. And, uh, and so the builder, you know, he, she said, you know, I've, I've got all this money. Well, she didn't tell him. She didn't have the money. She was, she was counting on this lawsuit. Well, when he found out, he got very upset, very angry. And... Uh, you know, uh, this actually happened, I said it happened in 1980. It actually happened in the late 70s. I was still in Jacksonville. I hadn't gone to Raymond yet when all of this was beginning to unfold. And uh, so then, you know, when, when uh, he found out that she didn't have the money, he decided, this builder decided he was going to take my mom to court. She was all upset, you know, and I went over to help her pray, you know, tried to help her, you know. She said, I just feel like the... I just feel like the Lord's hurt me. I said, well, mom, it's not a matter of what you feel like. You know, as you pray, he always hears you. And I prayed for us that the Lord's going to get you out of this mess. And, uh, and, and the man, the contractor, he finally just, you know, dropped the suit. And she didn't get the house. And then later, after I had gone to Raymond, because this was a long process going to trial and everything. And uh, right after we'd started the church here, I went over to Jacksonville every day for a week for that for that trial, it was a malpractice trial where my younger sister had, had died in surgery. And, uh, and I was over there every day, you know, listening, you know, to the sessions. And I honestly could not say it. I, I wanted it to go in my mother's favor, but the evidence just wasn't there. And uh, my mom didn't appreciate my, uh, I didn't rub it in her face, but I mean, I just, you know, just kind of kept it to myself. But somebody asked me, I'd say, well, you know, I didn't see the evidence myself. And uh, she didn't win the lawsuit, and she didn't get the money. And, uh, but my point is, she, she did all this based on feelings. She got herself into a real potential mess with feelings. And you cannot be led by feelings, so we talked about that. Uh, one thing I, I left, I'll skip over one thing because I want to come back to it. One thing I, I want to talk about was people are led by natural things, natural dreams, are not to be, you're not to be led by natural dreams. Just, you know, when you go to bed at night and have a dream, just because you dream something, something doesn't mean it's, it's a, uh, a message from God. Natural dreams are nothing more than natural dreams. And, uh, and so that's, you know, that's uh, a way sometimes people get tripped up. Uh, I wanted to add the, the idea of fleeces. Now, a lot of people don't really know that by terminology, we don't use that uh, terminology very often anymore. But if you know the book of, of uh, Judges, back when the Lord raised Gideon up to deliver the children of Israel, they had sinned and began to worship Baal and, 
And, uh, and so God allowed their enemies to overtake them. The Midianites were destroying them. I mean, the children of Israel were impoverished because of the Midianites and they cried out to the Lord and the Lord raised up Gideon to deliver them. Well, when the Lord told Gideon, this is in the sixth chapter. In fact, in the sixth chapter of, of uh, Judges is also where the name Jehovah Shalom is revealed. The Lord is our peace. That comes right out of that chapter and out of that story. But anyway, the Lord raised Gideon up and told him to go out and deliver the children of Israel. Well, Gideon wanted a sign. He said, Lord, now show me a sign. And so he said, I'm going to put this fleece, which was a, a, an animal skin, said, I'm going to put this fleece out at night. And if, if you're really leading me to do this, then when I get up in the morning, I want the fleece to be full of water, to, the, the dew of heaven to just soak this fleece. But I want the ground around it to be dry. So he got up the next morning, went out, you know, of his tent. The ground is bone dry and the fleece was soaking wet. The Bible says he wrung water out of it. It was so wet and nothing around it was wet. Well, that'd be a pretty good sign. But oh no, not good enough for Gideon. He said, okay, Lord, don't get mad at me, but I want to try this again. He said, in the morning, I'm going to put this fleece out again. And in the morning, I want the fleece to be dry and all the ground wet with dew. The Lord said, okay, put it out. So the next morning he put the, he got up, you know, and the ground was, was, uh, was wet all around and the fleece didn't have any water on it. It was dry, no dew on it. So he said, well, I've, I've ascertained then that the Lord is in fact, leading me. And so we don't use necessarily that term, but I grew up people doing that all the time and people still do it. They put God to the test and say, Lord, if you want me to do so-and-so, then do this unusual thing. Set up this really weird, unthinkable thing that couldn't happen. And if that happens, then I'll know that you led me to do this other. I remember I put a fleece out when I was a little boy. I don't remember how old I was, but I think I was around eight years old, maybe, nine, I don't know, eight to 10, somewhere in that, in that range. I felt the call of God on my life to preach. Now, I'm just a, I'm just a youngster. And I sensed that, that one day the Lord would, would uh, call me into the ministry. I'd have to go in the ministry. And I said it that way, I'd have to go in the ministry because it's, going into the ministry was not anything that was promoted. All the preachers belly ached. Almost all the preachers I ever heard talked about how bad it was and how much they sacrificed and how hard their way was and how much they'd given up for God and, and just belly ached all the time. And, and so nobody in their natural mind would want to be called to the ministry. And so I didn't want to go into the ministry. I'm just a little kid, you know. And, and, and uh, I remember telling my parents at one point, I think I was a little bit younger than this, and I just remember this because everybody in the car laughed at me. We were driving, we were in Fort Myers. We'd gone there, down there to visit somebody and I remember we were driving down Fort Myers and I remember all the tall palm, palm trees lining the roads down there. And somebody said something about preaching and I was just, I think I was just probably five or six years old. And I said, I wouldn't want to be a preacher. And they said, why not? And they said, because you just have to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And when you get tired, you just have to keep on talking. And everybody in the car laughed. They just had a big laugh. That's why I remember it. I, maybe that's why I, I talk so much. I don't know. <laughs> but here I am. I'm a little bit older and I'm really sensing the call of God. And so we had had a church service and I'd been down at the front, you know, praying. And I got up and went back to my seat. Now, ordinarily, after church on a Sunday night, my friends and I would all go outside and play. 
we had a, a, a two-story church similar to our old church in High Springs. Had upstairs, you know, sanctuary and, and the, 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 uh, the bottom level wasn't sort of half, you know, a basement like it was in the church. It was the whole f- first floor was above ground, was on the ground level. So you had to go up these steps, you know, on either side to go up to the, to the main church. And so we would go out after church on Sunday night and play. All my friends, you know, I'm 8, 10 years old. We'd go outside and run around, you know, play chase and hide behind the cars and in the bushes and all kind of stuff, you know, get in trouble. And uh, so this particular night, you know, the, I'd been down in the, in the altar praying. And so I, I just sensed, you know, I just saw this in my future. So I went up, went out, got up and sat down, you know, kind of halfway back in the auditorium. Not all of my friends are outside playing. And I said, okay, here's, here's what I'll do, Lord. I'll make you a deal. I said, now, I want five people. <laughs> I made it really hard. Impossible. I mean, if God did this, then it would have to be God. I said, I want five people to come up to me before I leave this auditorium tonight. Five adults. And say to me, Edwin Anderson, you'd make a great preacher one day. Now, the reason, not only the number five, that would be, it would have been an amazing if any one person said that. Because I was almost always in trouble. Not only were my parents usually calling me down, the other parents in the church. Because back then, everybody's parents took care of everybody else's kids. They didn't usually take care of their own kids. They took care of everybody else's kids. It's so one thing that made my parents so angry with, with another family in the church was one of my friends. He was always getting into trouble, but his parents would always call me down and go tell my parents, you know what your son did while his son was out doing the same thing. But anyway, uh, that's the way that worked. So it was just not likely that anybody would come up to Edwin Anderson and say, son, I believe you'd make a great preacher one day. So I said, God, I want five people to do it. So I sat there. Now, all of the adults, you know, the, the, the altar service finally, you know, was over and people got up and back sat in the chair. And then eventually, you know, the presence of God sort of lifted and people got up and started talking and mingling, you know. And I just sat there in my seat just by myself, the only kid in the, in the whole auditorium. All the other kids are outside. And I just sat there and waited. People started leaving, you know. People came by my chair. I was on the end, you know, easy access. Nobody said a word. Finally, the whole auditorium, everybody's gone, you know, and my parents are getting ready to leave. I have to go. I thought, glory to God, I got it. I don't have to preach. (laughs) Well, you see how that turned out. (laughs) Brother Hagin said it like this. He said one time he put out a fleece and he got fleeced because he acted on the, the results of his fleece and he got out of the will of God. See, God allowed, he said, well, Gideon did this and God honored it. Yes, but Gideon didn't have the Holy Spirit in him. This was in the old covenant and this was the only way God could deal with people. Most of the time because they didn't have the Holy Ghost in them and most of the time they were, they were uh, hard-headed. So uh, that's, not a, that's not a good way of determining the will of God. But I wanted to go back to this open doors and closed doors. I intended to do that tonight. And uh, I want you to go to Revelation chapter 3. We looked at this this morning. Revelation 3. I tell you what, go ahead and turn to Revelation 3 and put a marker there or something and then go over to Colossians. We'll start with the, we won't look at, yes we will, we'll look at all these scriptures. It's, it's important to look at the word of God. Colossians 4, verse number 3, Paul said, Meanwhile, praying also, also for us, 
that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I also am in chains that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. As I said this morning, he's not talking about a literal door, you know, like on hinges. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a metaphor for God granting an opportunity, giving an opportunity, making an opportunity for the presentation of the word, praying also for us that God would open to us, give us an opportunity to speak the word. That's what he's asking. And so he's got that phrase in there, open to us the door. And then over in Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 14, turn over there with me. Acts 14. When Paul and his company had uh, returned from their, from their journeys, returned to Antioch where they had been sent out. Verse 27 says, when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Now here, open the door of faith is even a little bit, a little bit different than the other ones. That simply means that God gave an opportunity for the Gentiles to come into the faith. That prior to uh, uh, this time, you know, before, before Christianity came, before Christ was raised from the dead and we went out and preached the gospel, uh, God only dealt with the Jews. Gentiles were outside of the covenant. But God had opened a door for the Gentiles to come into the faith. That just means God had given an opportunity for the Gentiles to come into the faith. But it's another example of this terminology. Now go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And uh, let's look at verse 8 and 9. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great and effective door has opened to me and there are many adversaries. Now go over to 2 Corinthians uh, 2 and look at verse number 12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel and a door was opened to me by the Lord. I said this morning that first of all, that these, this is just figurative speaking and it just means that God presented an opportunity to the apostle Paul in these, in these times. Uh, You'll notice in, in Revelation, I'm going to come back here. Hold your place here because I'm going to come back to go back, go over to the Revelation 3 where we looked, or where we turned. Revelation 3. In verse number 8, Jesus is talking to the church at Sardis. He said, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. The way the open door, closed door idea works when Christians are always talking about, well, and, and for a little background because I didn't really uh, say it tonight, I said it this morning. You know, uh, so many Christians are talking about, well, you know, I was, I was trying to do this, but God shut that door. And so this other door opened up, so that must be the will of God. And I talked about the lady who used to cut my hair. She talked about that all the time. And uh, just one illustration was the one I gave with her her daughter uh, had, had applied to a particular university that she wanted to go to and she was not accepted, but she made 
uh, application at another college and she was accepted there. And so this lady told me, she said, I told my daughter, we'll see there, God has closed that door and he's opened this door. But you know, sometimes you have to, you have to know the devil closes doors. Nowhere in the scripture does it talk about God closing a door. All of these verses talk about God opening a door. Here in Revelation, he said, I have opened a door. I've set before you an open door and no one can shut it. If God opens a door, nobody, no devil, no anybody's big enough to shut it. But the devil can open doors for you and he can cause opposition to that door that has been opened. He can bring opposition. He can't close it, but he can raise opposition and he can open other doors. Go uh, back to... Go back to... Yeah, go to, go to 2 Corinthians 16. This is interesting. For a great and effective door, verse nine, a great and effective door has opened to me. Now notice, and there are many adversaries. God, God will open, God will present opportunities to you in life. And when, and when God opens a door, no man and no demon, no one can shut it. Jesus said so. But there can arise opposition. I remember when Kristen, I'm looking for, is she serving tonight or is she studying? Okay, she's studying tonight. Kristen had had, Kristen uh, Jett, Tapia Jett, she had had it in her heart to go to, to veterinarian school. And so she went through four years at UF with, with on that track to become a veterinarian and then to go to veterinarian school. She applied to UF and that was in her heart and she was turned down. How many times, Jay, was it just twice? She got on, so she was turned down twice. And see, there was opposition to her, but that doesn't mean God had closed that door. My hairdresser told her daughter, well, you know, if they turned you down, then God's closed the door and, and, and he's opened this other door. Well, none, in none of these situations where Paul talked about open doors, in none of these situations was he using the open doors as an, as an evidence that it was God's will. He was just saying, this opportunity has come and I'm gonna follow it. Well, if, if God op- opens an opportunity to you, then certainly you ought to act on it. But Paul, like I said, Paul wasn't searching the will of God and trying to determine the will of God because all of these were ministerial opportunities and Paul was going to preach the gospel if he had to stand on the roof and preach to himself. But then God opened opportunities and he went with those opportunities. Well, Kristen, you know, she got turned down twice. She applied and she got turned. Well, that's very discouraging. She applied again and got turned down. Now, I don't know why, you know, she, she graduated as valedictorian of her high school class. She graduated uh, college, good grades. I mean, she had everything. She had everything. 
I don't know why she got turned down. I don't know if it was some kind of quotas or, or political. I don't know what it was, but she got turned down, but she was qualified. She became, she became discouraged, and you would too. And so she just sort of backed off. And the Lord sent me to her. I don't know, about a year ago. I, I don't remember exactly, about a year ago, the Lord sent me to her. said, you tell Kristen, do not turn loose of that dream that God's put in your heart. Do not turn loose of that. Because I sensed that she was just so discouraged. The Lord told me to go to her. I said, don't turn loose of that. And she told me that that was a, re- a real encouragement to her. And so she got it, got herself, you know, back up. She applied and she got accepted and she's studying tonight. She's enrolled in veterinarian school. See, if you let what looks like a closed door indicate that, that you're out of the will of God, you'll miss God's will a lot of times. Amen. Oh, praise God. No, all of these things are at best natural means. And, and they are at best hit or miss propositions. God has provided a much better way for us to know his will. Amen. Go to, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. This tells us how God leads us. Romans chapter 8, verse number 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now let's let's take this verse and let's look at it real closely. For as many as. What that means, that's another way of saying everybody. As many as, in other words, all people who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. All the people, I'm going to say it again, everybody who is led by the Spirit of God, those are the sons of God. Well, who would that leave out? That would leave out all the people who are not led by the Spirit of God. The people who are not led by the Spirit of God are not the sons of God. Does that make sense? So you can say it this way, God only leads his children one way and that's by his spirit. God does not lead by fleeces. He does not lead by doors opened or closed. He doesn't lead by feeling. He doesn't lead by any natural means. God's not in that stuff. I don't care how convinced you is. You, you is. I don't care how I got got ahead of my sentence here. I don't care how convinced you are that that the thing you have, that you see and and how convinced you are, it is the will of God. If, If God didn't lead you by his spirit, he didn't lead you in that. I don't care how convincing the circumstances were. How much everything lined up. I mean, you can just see the age of Aquarius set before you and all of the planets have come into alignment. God's not in that. He's not putting planets in alignment. He's not bringing events. God leads us by his spirit. It's the only way he does. Everyone who is led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Everybody who's not, they're not the sons of God. You say, well, I, I was, I'm not a son of God. No, I'm not, I didn't say that. I'm just, I'm saying God wasn't leading you in that. 
Those other ways, he wasn't in that. Some people won't accept that. They'll say, well, you can say what you want to, but I know what happened to me. What happened to you is you lucked up. You stumbled onto the will of God and you thought that that thing that you looked at in the natural was the way that God led you. No, he didn't. You were just lucky. Because as many as are led by, the, by God's spirit, they are the sons of God. Amen. Now go to, to uh, John 14. This could be, you know, a night where your bubble gets bursted. I don't know. I just feel like, you know, God let God had these things happened. And, you know, had they not happened, I wouldn't be where I am. But I, I, you know, I I went with the flow of what, I mean, it was just, it was just so awesome. And I, and I followed it. If you weren't led by the spirit of God, that wasn't God. Because that's not the way he leads. Romans 8 just told us. Everybody who is led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Everybody who's not, aren't. So that couldn't have been God. In John 14, we have, John 14, 15, and 16, we have this epic uh, session that Jesus had with his disciples on the night he was betrayed and you know they had the, the, had the Last Supper and Judas, after he had left, you know, the group, Jesus was left there with the other 11 apostles, disciples. <clears throat> and chapter 14, 15, and 16, we have this beautiful, wonderful, powerful uh, teaching and, and exposition <clears throat> of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church. Nowhere else in the Gospels had Jesus covered this. The only time Jesus really talked about the Holy Spirit helping people. He, he's talking to the Jews. He's talking about during the tribulation. He said, during that time, don't give any thought, you know, during tri- tri- time of tribulation, don't give any thought to, to how you're to answer because the Holy Spirit will give you the words. He was really talking to the Jews, really wasn't talking to the church. Church hadn't even come, in, come into being. But here, Jesus starts giving information because he's, that, this is the night he was betrayed. After this, they went out you know, into the garden and, and, the, and Judas led the soldiers in and Jesus was arrested and, and so forth. So right on, the, on the, 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 the final teaching that he gave here before he went to the cross, he started telling us about the Holy Spirit. And here's what he said in chapter 14. He said, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father. Now, here's the first time he's introduced the helper to us in, the, in how the, he's going to help the church. This is the first, first reference. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. That means another one just like me. I've covered that. I will, he will give you another helper that he, will, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, now notice this, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. God has provided a unique way for his children to be led and is to be led by the Spirit in us. 
He said the world cannot be led this way. That's why Romans 8 says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they and they alone are the sons of God. Non-Christians can't be led by the Spirit. He said this is the way he will lead. The Spirit of truth, the world cannot receive him. Neither do, do they know him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Oh, glory to God. God has has a unique way of leading his own children, a way not available to the world. Why is this so? What is it about believers that is different from the world in regard to how he would lead us? We have the Holy Spirit inside of us and they don't. Believers, have a, you have a unique capacity that other people do not have for receiving guidance from God. You are not like your unsaved friends. You have a capacity for being led that they do not have. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit won't deal with an unsaved person to bring them to Christ. I'm talking about being led in the things of life. They do not have the capacity for this because they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. Not only do they not have him, they, they, they don't even know him. They know nothing about it. If God was going to lead us by influencing circumstances around us, why would we need to be led by the Holy Spirit? Any unsaved person could be led by circumstances. You wouldn't need to be saved. You wouldn't need to have the Holy Spirit. You wouldn't need to know God. If he's going to lead by circumstances, then we don't need the Holy Spirit. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is not an incidental feature of our redemption. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is the cornerstone of God's provision for us. I say this so often, you cannot overemphasize the importance of the Holy Spirit's ministry and his role in our, in our lives. You just cannot overemphasize it. It is the capstone. It is the cornerstone. It is the, the central part of, of our redemption as it comes to help in this life. All of the help in this life we're, we have, all the help in this life we're ever gonna have, all the help in this life you will ever get is gonna come from the Holy Spirit. And that's not available to unsaved people. Praise the Lord. God leads his children by his spirit, not by natural means. For a Christian to seek direction through natural means is beneath the wonderful provisions of our redemption. It is beneath us. I said it is beneath us. And so many Christians do that. They're always looking to try. Oh, God. You know, show me something, move in some kind of way. If God would just send an airplane by and write a message in the sky for me that I would know. No, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And he is constantly sending you messages. But when you're looking up there, you're not looking in here. Why in the world would God... Send something out there when he's already put, when he's already on the inside of you. He's in here. He's inside of you. 
And he's going to move outside of you to, in the realm where the devil can operate and cause all kinds of chaos and mess everything up. He's going to, he, he, his spirit's in you, but he's going to move out there and, and sort of lining things up and moving people around and causing weird things to happen to get your, that's, that is just so far below what God has planned. God's not going to go against his way. Amen. Go over to John 16. John 16, we'll close with this. John 16. Hallelujah. Verse number 12. I still have many things to say to you. Now, he was talking to them on this night and they weren't born again yet. So the Holy Spirit hadn't uh, come to live on the inside of them. And so he said on this night, he said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, glory. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come. Well, he has come. We're there. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Oh, glory. There's not anything you need that the Holy Spirit isn't available to give you direction on. He will, it's his job. That's why he's in you. That's his job, that's his, that's his role, to be your guide. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now, but we can, now we can. They couldn't then, but now we can. Because when he, the spirit of truth has come, because of that, he now guides us into all truth. For he does not speak on his, I'm I'm talking present tense now, he does not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Glory to God. He'll tell you about your future. He'll tell you what you need to know about your future. And he won't tell you what you don't need to know about it. Some things we're not ready even yet to hear. When the Lord led me to, to, to start this church, he didn't tell me everything I was going to do. He just said, come over here and start this church, help these people out. If he had said, and you'll be there 40 years, I would have flown the coop. I mean, I'm telling you. I mean, I, I, I don't know what I'd have done. I guess eventually I would have surrendered to the will of God, but I could have wasted a lot of time fighting that because that that was not in my plan book. So God doesn't always tell us everything, but he tells us what we need to know. And he gave me the direction I needed to get us where we are now. Just a, just a, a, just a little glimmer, a little, just a little fragment of what his will for me was, was all I needed. He will tell us things to come. Glory to God. Well, that's good news. He will speak. He said, He will tell, he will declare. That means that the Holy Spirit has an ongoing practice of speaking, telling, and declaring. Why? Because he's a divine person. Have you ever known anybody that didn't speak? If you have, there's something wrong with them. 
I mean, obviously babies can't speak, but I'm talking about adults. If a person can't speak, there's something wrong with them. People communicate. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. He's in here. Expect him to communicate with you because he will communicate. He will tell you things to come. He will take the things of God and reveal them to you. So we're we're moving in a progression here. I've said it's easy to know the will of God. We, we, we haven't gotten to all the ways and how easy it is. I'm just setting the, 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 the stage. Get it resolved in your thinking that, that you do not have to look at circumstances and be moved by circumstances ever again in life. You can always be led by the Spirit. Decide that tonight because God says you can. Well, I don't know. I, I, I haven't been real good at it. Forget what's happened in the past. Maybe you haven't been real good at it, but it's probably because you weren't thinking right. You had traditional thinking. You're getting your mind renewed with the word of God tonight. So make up your mind that going forward, you will only be led by the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And if you'll make that decision to never again seek the natural realm, but to seek the spirit realm, oh, I'm telling you that you're a long ways ahead right now. Once you, once you make that decision, you are, you are way ahead. I mean, you're light years ahead of most Christians just by getting that straightened in your mind. God will lead you. He will lead you by his spirit. God's Holy Spirit, that's his assignment. And he will do what he's been sent to do. He is our helper. Praise God. Amen. Glory to God. Well, let's just stand up and thank the Lord for a minute. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. 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 Oh, thank you, Father, for the, for the wonder of the Holy Spirit, the precious, precious Holy Spirit. Father, help all of us to look to the greater one on the inside, to look to the indwelling Holy Spirit whom you have sent for this very purpose to be our helper in everything in life. There's not anything that we have a problem with that he doesn't have the answer to. There's no question that he doesn't have the answer to. There's no situation that he can't fix. Father, stir us up tonight to renew our commitment to being led by the Spirit and and stir us up in, in our confidence. Grant confidence tonight. We've renewed our mind with the word of God. With that will come confidence. Father, stir up an absolute rock solid confidence in every person here tonight that the Holy Spirit has been sent to live on the inside of them and he will guide them every step of the way. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Oh, I'm so glad I found out about the Holy Spirit. So glad I learned to be led by the Spirit and not not be led by this natural world. I tell you what though, this world will beat you up. If you're trying to be led by this world and by circumstance, you will get, you will have a mess on your hands. You'll be knocked from one pillar to post and, and, and 
Yeah, well, I, you know, these things lined up for me and I went with it and it was God. Well, like I said, you were lucky, but I guarantee you most of the time that's not worked because <laughs> it's not God's way. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. There's a better way and we have the better way. Isn't that good? Isn't that good to know? Glory to God. You can face anything. You can face anything. I don't care what's happened to you. I don't care how big a, 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 of a situation you find yourself in, how, how big of a jam or what, how big a trouble you're in or anything like that. It doesn't really matter when you know that you have the helper on the inside of you. There's not, I don't care how insurmountable it looks. No, no, the helper will put you over. He will lead you out of that. And he'll lead you out of it in victory. He won't lead you out crawling on your knees and bleeding all over, you know, and just barely getting by, you know, with the skin of your teeth. And No, he'll lead you out in victory. Amen. Amen. You'll have to submit to him, though. You have to humble yourself sometimes and, 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 and swallow hard and do what he says. Sometimes it's not always easy to do what he says do. What he's, he will lead you to do some things sometimes you're not going to like. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's going to be hard on your flesh. It's going to be hard on your pride. He'll lead you to do things. But if you'll just do them, if you'll just obey, I'm telling you, it will work in your favor. God will bring you out. He'll bring you out. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.